Hey there, and welcome to You Talk. We connect with amazing people from across Canada and ask them about their stories, passions, and experiences. I'm your host, Ryan Funk. Called the White Knight, Nuit Blanc is a free nighttime exploration and celebration of contemporary art that kickstarts Culture Days Manitoba. I thought I had missed it this year, but luckily the events are continuing to be held until this Sunday, October 24th. Lovelight is located at 492 Main Street. It was created by artist Joshua Banman. I got to connect with Josh about his project and life as an artist and experimental storyteller. I'm a I'm an artist in Winnipeg. Uh, I would describe myself as a storyteller. And my background, though, is in theater in particular. So I graduated at uh, University of Manitoba back in 2011 from the the Black Hole Theater with a, a major in theater. Um, but uh, I've been exploring as I, I returned to the arts about a year ago, um, a bunch of different mediums, um, in part because COVID's really changed the way we can consume uh, story and art, and in part because, um, you know, I really want to affect my audience. I know looking on your website, you called yourself an experimental storyteller. What does that exactly mean? Good question. I think I'm discovering that myself. You know, I, I think of it like this. <clears throat> um, we often think about story. If I tell someone I'm a storyteller, um, I think what comes to mind are some really traditional mediums. You know, maybe that's writing a novel or a short story. Um, or maybe it's a play or, or even a screenplay or something like that. And and they have a beginning and a middle and an end, right? And they're they're told in a linear fashion. And so to me, uh, to be an experimental storyteller is to think about using the, the scientific method to say, I have a hypothesis. Uh, maybe it's about reality or maybe it's about my audience or, or maybe it's about an idea that I, I'm telling the story about. And then how can I, in the way that we're telling that story, um, explore and, and test and disprove, potentially disprove that hypothesis and learn something about the nature of reality. So that may look like, um, you know, my Nuit Blanche exhibit has has a bunch of story elements to it, even though it's in a traditional sense, you'd describe it as a visual arts uh, installation. You wouldn't you wouldn't describe it as theater. Uh, you wouldn't describe it as storytelling. But to me, actually, it's it's dripping in story. And so when I call myself an experimental storyteller, it's really to say I don't want to be bound to any medium, um, but I do want, you know, my audience to be thinking about the fact that as soon as language is introduced to a human, we start to have an internal monologue and we start to tell ourselves a story, right? There's a line in a song I love um, that, that says, everyone's a hero in their made up movie life. Um, but, but that's true, right? And so even, you know, as, as you go through your day, you're thinking about Ryan and, and you know, and, and Josh is thinking about Josh narcissistically. I'm the hero in this story, right? And so, you know, uh, I'm wanting to experiment with different modes and, and mediums um, to explore the nature of storytelling and to challenge my audience to think about what it means to be a storyteller themselves, too. I can really appreciate that that different approach to stories. I was talking to a musician earlier today, and she's been focusing on, like, different genres and things for her, her, her first project. And you, you really want to, yeah, like you said, pull yourself in different directions. Be flexible. It allows you to think outside the box and create a, an element that 
someone may not thought of before. Yeah, sure. You're you're an actor, an artist. What first attracted you to get into you know the arts in all, all these different avenues? When I graduated from theater, um, with, with a theater degree in 2011, um, I knew I wanted to act in part because uh, in the play that that pretending to be someone else lets you uh, build empathy and compassion and understand other people. Um, and and it's a really, at its best, a really fun and playful way to explore uh, and being a specific role as an actor in, in fleshing out a story. I didn't have the courage to stay with the arts though, back in 2011. <laughs> um, in part, you know, my wife and I were drowning in student debt and I had really great opportunities with, uh, at the time I was working for Apple. Um, so I returned actually to the arts a year ago and committed to being a full-time artist. And, and what draws me to it, to answer your question, Ryan, <clears throat> I, I think at its best, the work of a, a cultural worker, an artist is really noble stuff. And, uh, and, and what the work of an artist is, is supposed to do is, uh, is the work that um, at its best religions done for us, past arts done for us, um, stories done for us and myth. And it's to, to, to highlight for humankind and the individual what it means to be a human and, and how to be a human. It, it, it's, it's educational in that sense, but I, I'll give this asterisk to that. If art is exclusively looking to be educational, uh, it's a cardinal sin to, to art because uh, then it's preachy and uh, <laughs> it's, it's Sesame Street at that point. And I mean, <laughs> Sesame Street at its best actually is not the cardinal sin I'm talking about because it, it, it worries about being high quality, being entertaining, being compelling. And so to me, the drive is, yes, absolutely. I have ideas and thoughts that I want my audience to ruminate with and consider what it means to be a human in the 21st century. Um, but what I owe to them is, is really compelling experiences or stories or art um, that, that allows them to easily give me their attention. It, it can get preachy if it's just like educational purposes. Uh, I think a good example would be Christian uh, content, sure. a, a great, uh, book based in kind of that that lore and uh, mythology of like ancient uh, e Egypt and the Israelites, like Prince of Egypt. That's such a sure. good movie, like art sure. first. Phenomenal animation, right? It's got a great soundtrack. Um, yeah, and, and it concerns itself, right? That's a, that's a really good example, right? It concerns itself with really uh, being a compelling and authentic, a truthful uh, story. Um, and so it, it allows, you know, for it to, to share this story of uh, the exodus and yep. the diaspora of, of the Jewish people out of Egypt, right? It allows like secular audiences that don't necessarily believe in that to appreciate and enjoy it. Well, I think VeggieTales is a, another example of a, a show that was Christian, but everyone could enjoy it because it was entertainment art first. Yeah, I'm thinking of some silly songs with, with Larry now. <laughs> You came into art uh, like about a year ago. What sort of mediums and things are you tackling? What What are you doing in your art? <laughs> Lots. Um, <laughs> I, I I like to sit down. I'll I'll be honest. Um, 
so so experimenting with things that computers can do for me um uh helps a lot i i um uh, part of my plight is is i have a a condition called ulcerative colitis i get ulcers in my colon it's really painful my body doesn't always want to respond to mm -hmm. the hands-on stuff that i'd like to do um so even this this Nuit Blanche exhibit I just did with Love Light, it's uh, making use of augmented reality. I'm going to show off something to you here because the back end of it is built in Snapchat. Okay. You know, popular augmented reality, social media, yep. messaging app. I'm running Snapchat on my computer right now. And uh, you can see I can bring Whoa! in the, the special effects that are used in Love Light um, here into a webcam meeting. Um, so, you know, I can conjure flame in my hands by opening my mouth. You can see that halos appearing and disappearing. Yeah. When I raise my eyebrows, I'm getting lasers out of my eyes. And this is my favorite thing here, Ryan. <laughs> the lasers follow my gaze, not my head. So, so you'll see. Whoa, that's so sick. That's so cool. And so to me, in, in one sense, it's uh, it's brain candy, right? Like it's, uh, it, it's, it's just play. Um, but where I think it gets really exciting is can can I invite my audience to think about how they see themselves and and what an augmented reality is and, and what the relationship with technology is. So if you were to go see Love Light, there's a poster there um, and and it, you know, it gives my name, my website and some the sponsors for Culture Days and Nui Blanche. But in the middle, it reads like a TV guide. Uh, which which is an older form, right? We don't look at TV guides much nowadays. So it says, you know, Love Light. Um, Songs of Love is kind of my handle that I go by. And, and it reads as reality slash uh, drama or comedy. And then it gives a synopsis, a little log line for the thing. And it says, a talented angel wrestles with amnesia after falling from heaven into the heart of a Canadian city. So what I want my audience to think as they go up to these TVs and they're playing with these augmented reality special effects I just showed you, is I want them to realize, oh, they're the angel that's that's playing with these TVs. And of course they have amnesia. They didn't remember that they were an angel for heaven's sake when they, yeah, when they yeah, first yeah. showed up to this, right? Um, but you know, it it it's supposed to reward curiosity and and in that sense be educational for the the user, the audience who's experiencing that, for them to think a little bit about the story that they're telling themselves. Um to think a little bit about um, what what their relationship with screens, in particular, and technology. So I spend a lot of time with with televisions as well too. Um, there's a nostalgia with those old tube TVs, and they they also use some really unique technology. Um, you know the the way we broadcast to those those CRTs, Ryan, was with um, with radio frequency. So whether that was over the air on the rabbit ears, or whether that was over a coax cable to the TV. It's using radio frequency and radio frequency is light, just invisible to the human eye. Um, it's at a lower frequency than what is visible light and just the instruments on our body can't see it. So I've been experimenting with that. Um, I don't have anything to announce yet, but the reason I own a whole bunch of old tube TVs is because uh, part of my artistic research and, and experimentation has been figuring out how to broadcast to many channels at once. So that an audience member, uh, when we get out of COVID times, could actually go interact with the TV and would experience a narrative that's happening in a nonlinear fashion across many TV channels and, and channel surf across that content. That's um, so cool. That's so oh, cool. Thank you. 
I'm glad you think so. Um, that's, that's a big passion project for me. It's called the Padavision. But other than that, I'm a writer. Um, I, I act, uh, I audition more than I, than I act, <laughs> I'll confess. Um, and, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I filmed a short film uh, this summer uh, that aired at the Windex Film Festival in Winnipeg for the One Take Super 8. So I shot that with my nieces and nephews. I call them my nibblings. You know, if I have my, my brothers and sisters are my siblings, my nieces and nephews are my nibblings. It was about a boy who isolates himself from his family to live on their acreage so that he can commit himself to trying to, to end the drought that's happening in the Pemina Valley. And so uh, if you don't know, you know, Lake Minnewasta has been drying up there. Yeah, it, it, it was a bad year this year. Yeah, so we, we even shot some of the film right right on the the lake bed. Uh, and I went to high school in Morden, so I'd never seen the lake that low. Like, mm -hmm. like, um, and and uh, and then I ha I have uh, about to air. <clears throat> I'm just in the editing process of it right now. Um, a web series. It's three episodes. I was commissioned to do this with Theater Projects Manitoba, um, and it's called The Recipes That Made Us. Mm -hmm. So four different guests in the interlake across. Um, a bunch of towns, so Arburg and Riverton and elsewhere, um, are cooking with me uh, some of their special inherited recipes uh, from from their grandparents, parents, great grandparents, and and it kind of came from uh, in November of last year. Is I'm an emerging artist, right? I'm I'm yep. looking for work and, and trying to find it. I was fortunate enough to be commissioned uh, with theater projects to to make an artistic project. Uh, as a part of uh, the season that they've been doing called Chautauqua, the Interlake Trail. So the mandate for Chautauqua is that it, it's uh, artists collaborating with residents in the Interlake. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, Ryan, I had no hot clue what I was going to make. Was I going to write a play? Yeah. Um, you know, should I do this? And and right at the exact same time, I lost my last grandparent. My my grandfather passed away, and my brilliant wife uh, reminded me that a lot of my memories and relationship with all four of my grandparents was cooking. And when we would cook together, uh, there would be memories that would come out that it's not like they reserved them to only share when we were cooking, yeah. but it seemed that the, the, the ritual of making the recipe, whether that was making noodles or raw cucumber or liver sausage, uh, uh, there was memories that were attached to all the senses that that come into play when you're cooking, right? Your smell, yeah. your feel. And so my wife said, like, why don't you go cook with people in the interlake? And so the recipes that made us was born out of that. Um, so awesome. that should be airing in November and being shared on Theater Projects Manitoba's website, on YouTube. Uh, I'm just in the, the thick of editing it right now with uh, my brilliant cameraman, uh, Patrick Jordan here in Winnipeg. I think that's the coolest part of being involved in the arts in a creative field that even if you have like a particular idea or goal sometimes like oh I'm a painter or photographer sometimes you get led down a different path to something that you never even anticipated. You're totally right and so it's why you'll hear me um, I anticipate I'll be insistent on this for my entire career as an artist is that I'm a storyteller. And, uh, and whatever the medium will be, I'm fortunate enough to have access to technology 
and an aptitude for it. So I can build things like an augmented reality mask, or I can study radio frequency. Uh, but it, you know, who knows? You may see me performing in a one-man play at Winnipeg Fringe Festival next summer because that's where the story took me. Why did you want to participate in uh, Nuit Blanc this year? Nuit Blanc is one of the coolest art art festivals. Uh, I mean. Have you gotten to participate in any of the nights just as an audience member? Uh, I did before. I haven't. Uh, I'm planning on going to check out a few exhibits uh, over this week. Well, there's something really electric when, you know, a whole crowd at night is traversing across, you know, downtown Winnipeg in the Exchange District. And and what ends up happening because, you know, the theme has always been illuminate the night. So it's light based art installations is you, you can see these little touchstones as you're walking across downtown Winnipeg. I live in the West End, and so walking a, a, in this neighborhood is, is something I'm doing all the time. It's how I get to work. It's how I get to my friends' places. And so to do that at night, uh, combined with the intersocial experience of hundreds of people being out and about, and then these new milestones, touchstones of light, my favorite one, it's years back. It was called the incandescent cloud. So it was this big tree <clears throat> and this tree instead of, of, of leaves and branches consisted of hundreds of light bulbs and all of the light bulbs, Ryan had drawstrings on them. And you were invited as a participant to go and pull on the drawstrings and you could turn on or off any of the light bulbs. And because of the scale of this thing, you know, probably about a dozen people could fit under the canopy of, of the, the cloud tree concoction. And it became this really magical thing. You may have uh, this counter well that has you wanting to turn off all the lights. You may be the opposite who's wanting to turn it on. And as you're under the, the tree, you're catching the eye of other folks, right? And, uh, and you're having a shared experience that, that, uh, isn't language based. Um, it's it's even in an abstract sense hardly story based, um, but but it it evokes curiosity and invites participation and interactivity. So at its best, you know, um, Nuit Blanche exhibits are are really something quite magical. And so I've I've always dreamt of of uh, having an exhibit there. Um, I I've pitched before but never been successful. And so it's serendipity that um, I had, uh, you know, all these tube TVs this this summer for another project, and that I had been, I'm an enthusiastic amateur in like everything I do, Ryan. Um, it, it's the the shame of being a jack of all trades, uh, but I had been dabbling in making snap uh, lenses, Snapchat lenses, and so. I knew I had what it takes to make this. It came together and synthesized, and uh, I'm really, really pleased with how it turned out. I think that's the coolest thing about art, that it can transcend language, story, barriers, like just being able to turn on the lights. Everyone's coming together to make a project. Or with your uh, your augmented reality uh, setup, it, people don't necessarily have to you know, speak English or understand, they just go up and they're like, whoa, 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 what's what's this? And I think that's just how powerful art can be. Uh, yeah, to be accessible uh, across different abilities, different languages, different cultures, ethnicities, you know, I really think helps us understand that we're living in a global tribe now in the 21st mm -hmm. century. And, uh, you know, we're more alike than we're different.
as we look around the world and uh and and not all of our systems or societies are as inclusive or as just as they could be and so um you know i think that relies on the individual to have a certain responsibility to that as a constituent in a democracy as a an individual just living their life and so um small things like that like an incandescent cloud yeah um i think uh uh has a really immense cultural impacts uh even though it may be not evident uh, you know at first glance yeah and i mean art is just keystone to the human experience we've been doing art for tens of thousands of years find the the cave drawings like uh, on the walls and some of them are really good you're like whoa I didn't realize people like tens of thousands of years ago had really good like drawing skills. Sure, sure, and and impressive in the scale and and even if you look at where some of those drawings are on the walls of some of those caves, you, you have to ask yourself, how did a person get up here? Um, you know, it, even with the technology we'd have today with ladders and hydraulics and stuff like that, it's still an impressive feat even today. Never mind what it would have cost in terms of tools and, and, and human power and, and uh, yeah, and work to accomplish some of that. What sort of, pro like you have a number of projects kind of in the works right now, one coming out in November. What are you hoping to like tackle or get to in the future? What, what's your dream project? Okay, I'll, t I'll tell you two dream projects here, okay? So one, Ryan, and uh, I, I share this vulnerably, I, I, I fear it's, you know, I'm going to miss my chance for it uh, with uh, with Daniel Craig having retired. But it is my dream since I was a little boy to be the actor who plays James Bond. And uh, there's there's lots that's problematic uh, about James Bond. Um, but uh, th there is at his best a certain righteousness in, in, you know, this hero who's saving the world. And And I would love as an actor to get to play that. That's the superhero I'd love to. Um, but but as a you know more personally as a creator a writer a storyteller uh, the the padavisions a really important project to me and so you know in the decade that I, I stepped away from the arts I worked with a couple Fortune 500 companies a lot of my time was focused on on change management how do you affect change in an organization with with hundreds maybe even thousands of employees and and training um, how do you look at educating an adult to adapt to stuff. And I'd love to apply some of that, that kind of thinking in my art to challenge my audience on, uh, on what are the behaviors that we need to have as individuals to have the society that we desire that is equitable, that's just, that, that fosters innovation and individual freedom as well too. And so the Pata vision is, uh, is you'll see this, it, it may be years still before it, it's fully funded, but it's making use of those tube TVs to tell the story of a time traveling scientist. And the scientist uncovers um, that he's, he's inadvertently created a time machine. He's trying to tune into news stations around the world with his TVs. So he starts amplifying the, the antennas and stuff like this. And he accidentally tunes into the ability to see the future. And so it's, it's a passive time machine. And, uh, and so he starts time surfing to see the future and past and, and, uh, and you're left there. And if you're at this art installation of the Padavision, Ryan, 
each individual would have the treat of getting to play with a tube TV of their own. And you'd see this new story of, of this time traveling scientist and you think, oh, neat. And as you channel surf on the TVs, on some of them, they've, they've got the dial, which is really visceral and a treat to turn the knob and, and channel surf. And others, you'd, you'd, you know, you'd use buttons. Um, you start to realize that you're playing with his time machine and you're seeing moments from the past and the future. And about five minutes into the thing, I have about a dozen scripts written for this right now. Uh, the, the scientist appears in the content you're, you're consuming. And he walks right up to the camera and he looks at you and he says, uh, stop playing with my time machine. I, I've, I've seen the future and it's bad. And, and it was so bad, you know, I, I made it my life's work to create a space time machine so I could go change the future. But here's what I found out. The future's written in stone. Just like the past, it, it, uh, there's n nothing we can do to change it. So I implore you, the future is so devastatingly bad that uh, you'd fall into despair and you'd kill yourself if you saw it. So walk away. Don't, don't even observe it. And of course, you know, your suspension of disbelief ends as a viewer and you go, I'm, I'm just at an art installation. You keep channel surfing. But the scientist continues to show up in the content pleading and threatening and bargaining with you to not see the bad future. So I'm still figuring out what the bad future is. But, you know, at the core of it, it's trying to remind an audience that we're, we're on our screens all the time. We are consuming stories all the time. And, uh, and we have a responsibility to be critical of what we're consuming, to be self-disciplined in how we're consuming it. And then two, we're going to have, Gandhi has this great quote. He says, be the change you wish to see in the world. We have an individual responsibility to show and extend grace to others. Something that I think, you know, the, the root language of all this stuff is binary, right? And it's my experience that our stories are becoming more and more binary. They're, uh, you're right or wrong. And by extension, there's a lot of divisiveness happening in the world today. So where can we start to see part of the human condition is, uh, is for lack of a better word, a fallen nature. And that, and that we're going to need to both extend grace to each other as human beings, uh, but also take a personal responsibility to be the change we wish to see in the world. So the Padavision is my dream project. It's, uh, it's one that sometimes comes to the foreground, depending on what, what life allows me to do and is on the side back burner that I keep chipping away at. Um, to hopefully mount, you know, in the next coming years. If you'd asked me a year ago, um, I would have told you I'd have it mounted by now. And so, you know, one of my lessons as an emerging artist has been uh, the timelines of these things are are maybe different than than what I naively hoped. The idea for the Padovich, like that, is so cool. Like I'm geeking out inside. Like that sounds like so much fun, and I I I can't wait to see like something like that come to reality. And, uh, Art is just so cool. Seeing oh, what people thanks, can Ryan. come up with and, and uh, do, like, I, I'm i excited. I can't wait to see it. So where can people find your uh, your exhibit for Nuit Blanc this year? And where can people uh, find out more about yourself? People can find out more about my exhibit for Nuit Blanche. It's titled Love Light. It's hosted, and they've been great hosts, at the Exchange District Business Development Offices. It's at 492 Main Street. Uh, if you know the the cube uh, stage at the Exchange District, it's it's just the opposite side of that building. Smokes Poutinery is facing the cube, and on the other side on Main Street 
is the exchange district biz. And so in their two big glass displays is filled those TVs. If anyone's listened to this, I gave them some hints on, on how to conjure some of the special effects that happen there. There's some breadcrumbs there as well too, to help someone figure it out. But there's also not an explicit user manual. And so it, you know, go play with it, be curious. And then the best place to follow what I'm doing, um, it's either my website, although it, you know, I update that post projects. Uh, so that's www.joshuabandman.com. Um, but they could follow me at uh, at Songs of Love, and that's L-U-V, um, on Instagram, which is where I, I post my work in progress stuff. Um, I share, I'll call it, it, you know, an enthusiastic amateur in traditional animation and songwriting. At its best, there's some catchy jingles I think I've written, but um, but I recognize it. it it's uh, it's a hobby, uh, but you'd see some of my my animations and, and music there, as well as it's where you could keep up to date on uh, whatever projects I'm sharing. Check out Nui Blanc, Winnipeg.ca, N-U-I-T-B-L-A-N-C-H-E, Winnipeg, to find all the exhibits available in the exchange, and the event goes until October 24th. If you have any stories you'd like us to share or communities we should highlight, leave a comment on our social media or reach out to us on our website. I'm Ryan Funk. This was You Talk, and have yourself a good one. <laughs>